is Michael Sinoff with Michael Sinoff's HardToFindSeminars.com and Consulting Secrets. Here is a series of calls with a gentleman named Dave Flannery out of Ireland. He's a new HMA consultant, and his goal is to be the world's number one HMA consultant. And I have to tell you, based on what he's done so far, I think he's well on his way. We have agreed to do a series of interviews that's going to document his success, his trials, his tribulations, the lessons he's learned. And he's got a lot of valuable lessons that I think will help you, the new or existing HMA consultant. He's an inspiration to us all. And in this recording, we're going to go over how it all started, how he became interested in business and marketing consulting, a little bit about his experience and background. We're going to hear about some other consulting opportunities and franchises that he investigated and why he ultimately chose becoming an HMA consultant. You're going to hear how he was able to set up appointments with over 24 potential prospects and how he's on his way to closing 17. By tomorrow, if he closes three out of the four or five appointments he has, he'll have 17 clients all paying him 3,500 euros, which is close to 5,000 U.S. dollars per project for four projects each. So this is the first step in getting the clients, taking them through an opportunity analysis, and closing the deal. Our next recording, he'll be knee-deep working with actual clients, and we'll do a recording on what it's like actually working with 17 clients at once. So I look forward to bringing you more details as we follow Dave Flannery, our future's number one HMA consultant. And if you have any questions or any advice or feedback, please don't hesitate to call and I'd be more than willing to get your story as well. Enjoy. Hello. Hey, Dave. Mike Sinoff here. Hey, Mike. How are you doing? Not too bad. Good. Can you hear me okay? I can indeed. Are you wrapping up a busy day? I am. I just closed three again. Oh, man. That's great. You feeling pretty good about it? Yeah, I am. I just closed three off that, and that could be 17 in total. So you just graduated with an MBA at the top of your class. Now, did you know what you were going to do after you graduated? Where did the whole idea of consulting start? I think it was just getting in and making more money for whatever company or whatever sector I was working for. I don't know if it was that marketing per se, but um, eventually kind of just kind of whittled its way down to marketing. I'd probably the marketing thing probably hit me about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. Were you doing stuff with companies? I was, I was managing director of two companies and general manager of three others in the last couple of years. So I would have had a general overview of, of everything around the company, kind of more always drawn towards say, the marketing side and the PR side rather than anything on the accounting side or anything like that. This is in, uh, this is in my capacity as a, as a manager, managing other sector managers as in a marketing manager and a PR manager and, and I was always drawn towards that side of the business mainly because that's where the income uh, the revenue was being generated I see what kind of businesses were they? There were health and leisure was one car rental was another FMCGs you know what they are? No I don't Consumer goods that would be supermarkets and retail outlets and another leisure centre so about four or five in the last How did you end up finding my site? Were you looking at other consulting opportunities? I, I definitely knew I wanted to work for myself so I was looking at franchises such as Action International was one and the quantum organization were two that I had it whittled down to. Did you go in for the presentations and stuff? I had presentations on both and said, like I said before during the teleconference, I thought they were weak. Did they bring you in like a group where they did a presentation? Tell me the No, pro- no, there was more one-on-one because I wouldn't go in in the group. I was very aware of the group mentality. Which one did you meet with first? Action International. And how much did they want for a franchise? 25000 sterling. Uh-huh. Which would be about $40,000. Okay. And that got you the 
the license and then you paid them 2000 a month for the first five years. For the first five years. What about a percentage of your gross? 2000 Whether you made any they money? Made or money or not, yeah. Okay. Are they, were they based out of the UK or Australia? They're, no, they're based out of Australia, but they have, they were founded in Australia. Okay. And they have an Irish office here. They didn't have, when I was looking at the Mike Travel thing, and did the presentation, but they actually have an Irish office here. Did you go to the office there? I went to the office in England, yeah. No, you, did you see anything that they had that was pretty good or just okay or what? No, they couldn't answer basic questions like, how would I sell this? What am I coming from? Like, basically, what do I explain to the client? What's in it for them? It was more of a kind of a hard pitch sale. Mm-hmm. Which is why I didn't want to go into the group sessions because, like I said, I was aware of the group mentality and I didn't want to be drawn by the excitement of the group if there was excitement in the group. I wanted to kind of stay by myself, keep my own wits about me. But no, I didn't see anything that majorly jumped out at me. Yeah, all right, then you checked out Quantum. To be honest with you, they're mainly the same thing. Quantum, guy who has Quantum, was under Brad Sugars, who's the founder of Action International. So he just broke off his own, changed a few things, methodology of Action International, and then trademarked that methodology. So I basically didn't know that, didn't realize that at the time when I went to yeah, what are they asking for? That one. They were asking at the time, they were just coming to Ireland, so they're kind of price leaders, so they were asking about 14000 sterling, and again, 2000 per year. 2000 per year for five years? Yeah. Same as uh, action? Same as action, yeah. 14000 sterling, what is that in US dollars about? Uh, 14000 is about 23000 Yeah, okay. Yeah. Which, if they were giving me what I thought, I wouldn't have mind paying that. But it didn't seem to have everything that I was looking for, to be honest with you. About this time, I, I was talking to one of the guys who was in my cohort for my MBA, and he just happened to mention the name Jay Abraham. said, if you're interested, look up the stuff, it's very good. Mm-hmm. He gave me his book. But that's basically how I kind of came around to yourself. You'd never heard of Jay Abraham? I really hadn't never heard of him. So I read that, and it intrigued me, because he seemed to put it in a system that you could explain it to somebody who didn't know what you were talking about. And so I decided to have a look at his stuff. Now, I went on his website, and prices were a little bit out of my range for, at the time. Mm-hmm. And that's how I kind of, what I thought, doing was trawling the internet and seeing if I could get secondhand stuff, which is how I came to hardtofindseminars.com and emailed you for, I think it was the protege set, and you emailed me back saying, well listen, yeah, I can do that for you, but I've got a system here that incorporates all that and more. So we started talking for a while, I think we made over four or five days, we were shooting emails back and forth towards each other, and the way you were putting the system seemed to click with what I was looking for. So basically I just took a chance and I ordered it, and I haven't looked back since. So your plan was to become the world's number one HMA consultant. Correct. So you had to put down your plan, and you sent me those plans, your weekly plans of exactly what you were going to be doing. Yeah. Is right? Do you find writing down your plans and putting it in paper gives you a little more power and edge? Can't be done any other way, Mike. I know a lot of people say they don't need to write stuff down. I personally can't do it unless it's written down. Mm-hmm. I could go to my diary now, and from now until Friday, my days are written out. Whatever time I say I'm going to do something, that will be done. If I have a half an hour marked out for a phone call, that's what it gets. It gets a half an hour. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't and you get sidetracked, little issues then can pull you off your track and you come to the end of the week and nothing is done. What goals did you have set for yourself? HMA, business growth expert. And I'm going to do that by just planning the stages, going through it. Obviously, I'm going to hit obstacles. I mean, not all pie in the sky and rose tint glasses. I mean, it's going to be tough. But like I said, I have a plan. I have a certain amount of sales, a certain amount of 
client, I have a client number that I want to get done by March. I have a certain amount of sales that I want to make by March. And I have a certain percentage of growth that I want to achieve for my client. What I'm hoping is to have something like, in total, about 120% overall growth for each of my 17 clients. Mm -hmm. If I close three more deals tomorrow, I have my 17 clients until the end of the next four months. If you close your three tomorrow, which it seems like you're on track to do, and you'll have 17 clients, all who have committed to the core four, four projects Correct. at 3,500 euros a project? Correct. That's over 5,000 in U.S.? Uh, 204,800 euros, which is about 5,000? Yeah, in U.S. dollars. Okay, so you got 17 clients who have committed to four projects at 5,000 a pop. Let's talk about how you got those 17 clients. And sure. that all starts with the opportunity analysis. It does. Didn't you do some role-playing with your friend? And I cannot say how important that was. I got the system, I think it was the end of September. I looked through the DVDs, I looked through all the DVDs, I'd read the books, and I decided that I wanted to, again, write and down stuff, I wanted to do a training log for about six weeks. So what I did was send it to you. So I wrote down what I did each week, each of the six weeks, and I emailed it off to you just to let you know what was going on. Part of that training was I have a friend of mine here who is an actor for a local theatre, and you had suggested doing 10 practice off analysis during my tra training period. I, of course, then took that and said, well, 10 doesn't sound like enough, so I decided I wanted to do 60. I gave my friend the premise of what I wanted to do, and I let him go away and build a character and come back and we do an off analysis. By going through that, I found best ways of approaching different different characterizations, going from, yes, they're completely sold on it, to somebody who's outright just negative about the whole thing. That really helped me. It took it took a lot of the aid off me doing the op analysis, do you know what I mean? And while other consultants and other starting HMA consultants might be as lucky as, as to have an actor friend who would do that for them, dad, your mom, your best friend, whatever it might be, even if you only did two or three, I would say get that training in. Like I said, it's practice. It's like driving a car. Learning to drive a car is no different. Everything takes practice, practice, practice. I mean, even this morning, I was up at 6 a.m. and for the first half hour, uh, sat in front of a mirror and practiced my speech, practiced what I was going to say. Practice my USP. Practice what I was going to say against whatever questions I thought would come up. And it's just once you get into that, it becomes it's second nature. I want to talk about how your practice is compared to the reality of doing them. But first, let's talk about how you were able to set up all the appointments. This is one of the biggest challenges I think most people believe they're going to have. Is how do you get clients? How did you end up getting all these appointments? I have to say, for the first, a lot of it was luck and the time of year that it happened. Uh, obviously, the Christmas season and the New Year season. Um, I knew I was going to be meeting a lot of people at parties some business cards printed up and just basically when I went into the parties and the first question when people haven't seen you in a while the first question they ask is well what are you doing now what are you working at and once I got that question I went straight into my abbreviated USP and if I thought then that they were interested in what I was talking about I went into a lot my long USP we went back and forth and trying to come up with your abbreviated USP what was it grow your business 20% in 20 days that got their attention didn't it straight away it kind of gave you a kind of a smile as if to say yeah right <laughs> talking to them and get like into it like obviously I didn't go into the whole lot of it because it was a party and you know like 24 people call them tomorrow and I'm on the verge of closing 17 so that's about 70 70% close rate so you scheduled appointments how far off would you schedule the appointments and where would you schedule them did you schedule them at a mutual place at their office at their always business at their office always at their office always at their office and I'll tell you why 
mm-hmm. because you have to make a connection with these people. What I learned from my training, and it's one thing that came across a lot during the up analysis was, the one thing I do when I go in is the first thing is shake their hands, ask them for a walk-around tour, because that builds some sort of trust that you're interested in what they're doing. You're just not interested in selling your whatever you're selling. So you say, show me around the place. Is there any chance to get a tour? You know, even a five-minute tour. And the second thing you must do must, must do is praise them on their ingenuity and their perseverance of actually building the business far. Yeah, this is their baby. This is it. I mean, this is their life. as simple as that. And you have to you have to put them at ease as if, like, you don't want them thinking that you think they're useless because they have to call you in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You have to put them at ease about that. So they start taking you around and they start opening up and telling you about their baby. Of course. And the third thing is reassure them that working in their business, they are the person with the more knowledge working in their business. For instance, one of my clients is a high-end art dealer. I know absolutely nothing about high-end art. My client could walk rings around me talking about high-end art, but he just doesn't know how to market it, where that's where my expertise comes in. Mm -hmm. But you have to kind of let him know that you know that he is expert in what he's doing. Again, you're trying to build rapport, you're trying to build trust. It's the first stage in the op analysis. You have to get that done. If you don't do a good job in step one, you may as well not go through the other steps because you won't have them. Okay, so after the tour, what do you suggest? Or they suggest, why don't we go in here and, you know, where it's quiet and sit down and talk? Their office. Mm -hmm. Try and get them to their office because it's their ground. They feel comfortable there. They're sitting in their chair. This is their place of work. You're sitting across from them or on their side? That doesn't really matter, I find. One person I was sitting across from and one person, a couple of them have been sitting beside. Wherever they have their chair normally, I wouldn't do anything out of the norm in that office. Mm-hmm. Like if they're used to having people sit across from them, then sit across from them. To having people sit at their side, but then sit at their side. I wouldn't make them do anything that's out of the norm for them in their office. Mm-hmm. The reason you get them into their office is that you make them feel at ease. That's where they're the boss. That's where they run the company from. So you want to make them feel at ease. If they motion you to sit down the chair across from them, then you sit down that chair. You don't move the chair. If they motion you to sit down at their side, then you sit down at their side. You don't want to do anything to spook them in the office. Um, and again, then after step one is done, you follow the op analysis sheet word for word. It's all there written out for you. And that's what I do. And I, don't, I haven't changed a word of it. And you just keep going through it now. If it's a case that they want to bounce around and and talk about different things, let them do that. But always remember yourself where you are in the steps. You have to keep an eye on it and bring them back because you have to follow the steps. The one time that one time it didn't close was I let the client, let the prospect bounce around the place. Mm-hmm. I didn't remember where I actually was in the process as regards steps. So it kind of got away from me, and I didn't actually close that person. Were you able to find some incredible assets in some of these businesses? Oh, I mean, the biggest one is, as with DVDs and systems, is database. They just don't know how to use the databases. They really, really don't. They have the name sitting in there. They just have them there, and it's a one-time shot. And if it doesn't work the first time, well, then, you know, we'll move on and try and get somebody else. It's, they just don't understand it but until it's actually said to them. And also, you have to tie down every single step. So you got to be closing through each you, step. You have to be doing mini-closes all the time. And if it's the case that you get some sort of objection on the mini-close, you wait at that objection until you have it tied down. If that takes you an hour, well, that takes you an hour. And how do people respond to the USP part of the presentation in general? The way I present it is I ask them, obviously, the two questions that are on the sheet, okay? But then I ask this, what's in it for me? If I was to become a client of yours, what's in it for me? Mm-hmm. And that question kind of dawns them a little bit because then I say, well, if you become my client, what's in it for you is you get your business growing 20% in 20 days or 25 to 100% in 60 to 90 days with no added cost in advertising, guaranteed. And once they hear that, they kind of think, 
Yeah, well, that's good. That's what I get. Now, how do I apply that to my business? And it gets them thinking and talking. There's no doubt about it. But the biggest one, the biggest step that you're going to get a definite nod is the database. And you show them how, what you could do with that database and you how. You have to walk through step by step. And like I said, tie down at every single juncture. If you don't tie down, and I learned, again, this is learning from the training that I did and obviously the, the live op analysis I've done now. You have to tie down at every single juncture at a mini close. And if you get an object on the mini close, you have to stay at that objection until you have it answered or until obviously you feel you can't get over the object. And then it's time to just cut your losses. Can you give me an example of a couple of your tie downs for anyone who doesn't understand what a tie-down is? Like I said, no problem. I can, can take that test of solidified trust and report first step. After you go through your opening line and opening solidified, you ask them, does that make sense to you? That's a tie-down. It's an open-ended question. And then you wait for the response and you don't talk until you get a response. And if they say, well, no, it doesn't really make sense, you stop and you go back and you say to them, okay, I'll just let me put it another way. And after you've done that, again, now, does it make sense now? And you might get a no again. And then what you then is just, well, can you tell me where you're having difficulty understanding it, and then you get into a conversation about it. But you have to tie it down. You can't go any further on anything unless you have a tie down because if you don't tie down the situation and you come to your main close, you've wasted maybe 45 minutes not knowing that he doesn't understand something. So you have to make sure he understands every single part of the system. Every single word comes out of your mouth has to be understood by the client. There can't be any question or vagueness on your part or hum and haw on your part. If you don't come across as knowing exactly what you're talking about, you won't close because people, if you can't get them on board, they're not going to close. You won't close them. And the only way to get them on board is to educate them through up and out. You have an hour and a half of their time. What you do in that hour and a half can set you up for a huge close. You, it's on yourself. If it's a situation that somebody comes across and doesn't understand what you're talking about at an hour and a half, that's your fault, not the client's fault. You have to go down to their level or up their level or find their level and then close constantly. Close, 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 open-ended questions. What that makes sense? What do you think about that? Does that feel good to you? You're closing them right there on the first presentation. How do you structure your close? Tell me the process after you finish the opportunity analysis. What do you do? Take me into you know the sure. details. We finish and we'd have a chat about it, the op analysis, just in generalities. Then I'd say, what do you think? That's not my main close. I'd say, well, what do you think of the methodology? And they'd say, yeah, it does make sense. And I'd say, fine. I am free on, let's say, Tuesday or Wednesday at 4 o'clock to start on the first project. So what do you think? Then I'd either guess, well, okay, well, how much are you charging for the project? And I'd say, well, just looking from going over the hour and a half and the amount of work they would have put in, it would be 2500 per project. They'd say, fine, okay, how many projects do you think it would take? And I'd say, well, there's eight projects in total, but I think that we could probably get the most out of just doing four for the meantime and then seeing how we, how we go with those and then talk in a couple of months about doing the extra four. And they'd say, fine, okay. And I'd Make a date and say, took this direct from the DVD. Mm -hmm. um, fine. So all you need to bring for me is a list of 100 best customers, your three biggest competitors, and a check for 3500 All right. That's fantastic. So you've done all your opportunity analysis. You've got how many more tomorrow? Four. Four. So if you close these three, you'll have 17 clients. Correct. And, and so that's without my DM rollout or any of my JVs for anybody coming from my JVs as well. Right. Now, how do you plan? Are any of these 17 going to be on your waiting list? Or are you ready to work with all of them? Oh, I'll work with all 17. I've worked it out if I give an hour and a half to each part of the step, the four step, I work out about 25 hours a week. My working day is from 6 to the a.m. in the morning till 6 at night. 25 hours a week, that's, that'd be about five hours a day. From, that's from 6 a.m. till 11. The rest would be like... 
promoting myself again, like writing my column or my radio plot or trying to get profiles done and things like that. Are all your businesses generally in the same area? Yes, they're generally in the same. They're within a 50-minute drive location. What were the objections of the ones you weren't able to close? I think that was just, like I said, they didn't understand the situation. I didn't understand the concept of what I was trying to put across and down to me. So every time I didn't close, I came back in and I kind of restructured what I was doing. For the first couple, I didn't actually take time to build the trust and rapport, like take the tour and acknowledge their expertise and what they're doing mm-hmm. and that I bring them back to their op and let them kind of use the op as a talking place. These things, again, all came with losing clients. My closing rates came a lot better when I added the little things that a lot of people wouldn't think of. There's a lot of psychology at play there. Okay. And I think anybody that takes it on board will start close a lot better. Do you explain as far as getting the results? Do you talk about the USB? Hell, they may not see instant results with the USB. No one's ever yet collared me for the 20% in 20 days. I do explain that it's an accumulative effect where you're building crystal mass all the time and usually start hitting in in project three. The ones that I've, I have closed, they do, everybody does understand that, yeah. Like I said, you have to go through, listen to this as part of the HMA University, you have to go through the steps the USP, integration of the USP, you can't leave those two steps out because even though it won't bring in an influx of business by itself, you can't do the rest of the system without the USP. I think you'll agree with that, Michael, will you? Yes, I I would. And you have to do a good job on the USP. You can't be wishy-washy. You can't be theoretical. It has to be punctuated. It has to be to the point. What kind of businesses are you going to be working with? What are some of the types of businesses? High-end art dealer, retailer, leisure centers, there's a bowling alley, there's high-end art dealer, there's a ladies' retail centre, there's a leisure centre. There are three are close to there. There's a holistic centre and an Indian restaurant. Do you, how are you handling, like, if you're going to get into direct mail and you want to send a mailing out, do they understand that they're going to pay for the mailing, or how are you thinking you're going to do that as far? Um, like, because direct mail, is, I've only closed on the core four. Now, I know this post as regards... JVs and strategic alliances, there will be mailings as a part of that, but I haven't really touched on direct mail as a project yet. I haven't closed on the big four because it will cost the, the client money in regards of postage and mailings. That's true, yeah. I haven't gone there yet because I want to make sure that I close the core four, make money from them on the core four, and then broach the subject of, well, listen, I could make your percentage a lot higher, but it's going to cost you a little bit more. Rather than going in and saying, well, listen, this is what you're going to have to pay me, and on top of that, this is what it's going to cost you. That's excellent. Do you anticipate doing some contingency deals with some of these clients? At the moment, it's all fee-based. Uh, to be honest, I haven't really been thinking about that. Really, what I want to do for definitely the next build up my name as regards fee-based and see where I want to go after that. I, I don't want to go too quick and too fast because things can spiral out of control if you don't keep it under control. Control, you know. All right. I just want to keep my focus on one thing, fee base, get some money in the bank, get my name around the town, you know, become world number one, of course. Tell me real quick about how you negotiated the deal with the magazine and the newspaper to do the column and uh, how you structured yeah, that. No problem at all. Um, just went in and been reading the paper since I was a kid at a local regional paper. They have a business section, but they don't have a business column as regards giving giving advice. The editor and head of paper told them what I was thinking about doing and said that I'd ring them in two or three days' time and to 
and for the proposal. He met me with a sub-editor and he agreed that it was a great idea. Could, would I be able to do 52 weeks of a rollout? And I said, no problem. Handed him a sheet that had 52, the names of 52 headers on it. Uh, had everything ready. So you can tell me, you can give me these 52 columns now. And he, I said, yeah, I have them all typed up, which I have done. You have 52 columns on different subjects of marketing and business that he can use? Done already, yeah. Now, did you use some of the stuff from the HMA material or stuff you did on your own or what? From my own stuff from the HMA, some stuff from Abraham. Uh-huh. Things that I thought were relevant. Then they came to payment. They pay, I think, 250 euros for the year for their contributing column. That's How much? 250 what? Euro. That's only about 500. I think it's only about 500. For the whole year? Yeah. As a contributing columnist, that's all that they were given, right? Okay. So I said, I kind of looked at them and I said, well, listen, I forego that on condition that you give me certain things. A two-week rollout front page profile two weeks before my column starts. All my P all my PR, all my, my press release from my, my company get printed. PR and press release that I provide from my client's company gets printed. Four ads per year free use either for myself or for any one of my clients. Um which is worth a lot more Now was this the, this was the newspaper? The newspaper. How big of a circulation was it? About twenty thirty five thousand. Not bad. Not bad at all. And then you did something similar with the magazine? Magazines were more profile than anything else. I have a, a profile well it's gone out now, it's in at the moment the regional uh, business magazine and also I have a commitment from the Irish Entrepreneur magazine to do a profile for me in about four to six months. I wanted to wait about four to six months to get some background, like client backonials before I went for, because the Irish Entrepreneur magazine is a national magazine rather than a regional magazine. So mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure I've got some powerhouse testimonials to give those. Anybody can do what I did. You know, just follow the system. And make, like I said before, make sure when you're starting out that you are your first client and use the system as you build your company. And because you will find out things when you're doing this for yourself that are much easier to find out for yourself and fix them for yourself than if the first time you see the problem is for your first client. If you don't succeed for your first client, it's a very hard comeback to come back from because that will get around. you got three more clients closing in, so when's your first appointment to start working with them? Wednesday. Wednesday, okay. At 9 o'clock. We should talk in a couple weeks and we'll get some feedback and advice and real life experience on what it's like now that you're going to be working with about 17 clients. You're going to be very busy. <laughs> that's that's way to be. <laughs> yeah, all right, that's great. Hey, David, you know, keep doing it. This is great. And, you know, we'll get all this down on tape. You're welcome to use it any way you can. And we'll, we'll document your success of becoming the world's number one HMA consultant. I'd love to do it. All right? Okay, Mike. All right. You have a good evening. We'll talk soon, all right? Thanks, Mike. All right, bye-bye. That's the end of this recording with Dave Flannery. I hope this has been helpful. And if you have any questions for Dave, please email me, and I'll be glad to forward them over to him. I'm sure he would be happy to help. I can be reached at michael at michaelsenoff.com. That's michael at michaelsenoff.com, or you may call 858-274-7851.